Shall we pray? Holy Father, we thank you for such a wonderful day. We thank you for your grace and your mercies. We thank you for all that you do for us. We pray and commit tonight's discussion and study unto your hand that you will lead us and you enlighten the eyes of our understanding to know and behold wondrous things in your word. We thank you for an answered prayer in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah, so. God bless us all for making it to today's study once again. And God being so good, we are on the last chapter of our study. We are on the last chapter of the book of Jonah. That was a series that we started four weeks ago. And by God's grace, we would have to climax it today and see what God has in store for us over the coming weeks. Yes, and I believe we've learned a lot over the past weeks and we are going to ensure that by the help and the power of the Holy Spirit we'll put all that we've learned into action so that we'll not just be be listeners deceiving ourselves but we'll be doers of the work to receive all the blessings that God has in store for us. So straight away we want to launch into the Word of God and finish up with our series. So I'm reading from the book of Jonah chapter 4. That is the very last chapter of the book of Jonah. It's quite a short book, but there's a lot to learn from it. All right, so I'm reading from the King James Version. Jonah chapter 4 verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying? When I was yet in my country, therefore I fled before unto Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Doest thou will to be angry? Verse 5. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. And they made him a boot and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become the city. And the Lord God prepared a god and made it to come up over Jonah, that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the god, but God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smoothed the god that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise, that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, that he fainted, and wished in himself to die. And he said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the God? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the God, for which thou hast not labored, neither made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot descend between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? So, this is the word of God as rendered by the King James Version. And I want us to use a more 
modern version to make it clearer. So Jonah chapter 4. So I'm reading from the message Bible quickly, then we dive into our discussion. So Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Jonah was furious. He lost his temper. He yelled at God. God, I knew it. When I was back home, I knew this was going to happen. That's why I ran off to Tarshish. I knew you were sheer grace and mercy, not easily angered, rich in love, and ready at the drop of a hat to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. So, God, if you won't kill them, kill me. I'm better off dead. God said, what do you have to be angry about? But Jonah just left. He went out of the city to the east and sat down in the south. He put together a makeshift shelter of leafy branch and then sat in the shade to see what would happen to the city. God arranged for a broad-leaved tree to spring up. It grew over Jonah to cool him off and get him out of his angry sack. Jonah was pleased and enjoyed the shade. Life was looking up. But then God sent a worm by the dawn of the next day. The worm had bought into the shade tree and it withered away. The sun came up and God sent a hot blistering rain from the east. The sun beat down on Jonah's head and he started to faint. He prayed to die and better of dead. Then God said to Jonah, what right do you have to get angry about this shade tree? Jonah said, plenty of rights. It's made me angry enough to die. God said, what's this? Is it that you can change your feeling from pleasure to anger overnight about a mere shade tree that you did nothing to get? Yet neither planted nor watered it. It grew up one night and died the next night. So why can't I likewise change what I feel about anything from anger to pleasure? This big city of more than 120,000 childlike people who do not yet know right from wrong to say nothing of all the innocent animals. Amen. Yeah, so it looks like every chapter of Jonah is very interesting and every chapter is also very packed. You have to really take your time to unpack some of the uh, revelations that are locked up in the yeah so we want to take it from the verse one which is a direct continuation of what happened in the verse three yeah, so from the verse one um the opening scene talks about jonah who was angry about god and i think if you quite remember i asked the question in the very first series about why uh, Jonah decided to run away to Tarshish. And I said the answer is later found in the book, in the last chapter. I think we have our answer here. So the beginning verse talks about Jonah being angry and him losing his temper. And even the message makes it more dramatic by saying that um, Jonah yelled at God, that he knew, or Jonah would say that, he knew God was definitely going to withhold his hand or hold himself from executing judgment over the people of Nineveh because he is gracious, he is merciful, he is slow to anger and a whole lot. And this is very interesting. So Jonah said the reason why he ran away in the first instance was because he knew that God was definitely going to forgive these people and he's not going to punish them. So there was no need 
taking the pain to get into a ship, get over the sea, get to Nineveh and go and preach. When you know that at the end, regardless of what is going to happen, conditionally, God is going to forgive the people of Nineveh. So the Bible said that um, Gina was very, very angry at God. So that's the main reason why Gina ran away. Because in the first um, chapter, it doesn't give us any full knowledge about why Gina ran away. But the fourth chapter just revealed it to us that Gina ran away because he knew that whether he went or he did not go, God was going to forgive the people of Nineveh. But I think that wasn't um, something that Gina was supposed to worry about. His main, his sole duty was just to obey the commandment that God had given to him that he should just go and preach to the people of Nineveh. Last week, we looked at the power that Jonah's message carried, just a few words. He talked about Nineveh being destroyed in 40 days. In just these few words, he was able to turn about the whole heart of Nineveh, both men and then even animals, for God to even forgive. So we have an answer here that Jonah ran away, mainly because he knew he was not going to punish the people of Nineveh regardless of him going or not going, yeah. And then the end of story is just a continuation of what was happening in the verse 1 and verse 2. That was Jonah being angry that God should then even kill him if he's not going to kill the people of Nineveh. So it was like Jonah was frustrated, he was tired because after everything that he had gone through, he had gone through the belly of a wheel, he had gone through shipwreck, the storms and the waves and God did not execute a judgment. As I said earlier on, that wasn't Jonah's problem. Jonah's problem was simply to go and then deliver the message. He was supposed to leave judgment to God. But it's very interesting that you find Jonah being angry because he, he felt like after everything that he had gone through, he was supposed to, or he wanted the people of Nineveh to enjoy the fruit of what they had done. Yeah, but you know, God doesn't really work that way. So, um, the verse 4 talks about God asking Jonah why he was angry. And Jonah didn't even wait to listen to what God had to say. The Bible said that he just left, more like he bolted from God's presence. And then he went to find a place, he made a shelter to look over the city to see what will happen. And it's still very interesting that it's it's quite strange because this is Jonah in the very presence of God trying to have a conversation with God. And you said or uh, you knew very clearly that God wasn't going to destroy the people of Nineveh. And just a few moments later, I leave the presence of God and then you pitch a tent at a suitable location to see what is going to happen to City, knowing very well that God is not going to destroy the people of Nineveh. So it's it's very interesting how Juna was um, some kind of dramatic. Even when he knew the outcome of what was happening in the city. So after Juna had um, pitched his tent to look at what was going to be for the city of Nineveh, um, God tried to teach Jonah a very simple but important lesson. Yeah, it's, it's very, very important. And so what God did, well, what happened was that God out more, it was more like Jonah was kind of in the desert, in the wilderness here. Yeah. So he had pitched his tent and then the heat was unbearable. So 
God actually allowed a tree to grow. Some versions say it was a custard tree. Yeah. All we know is that the tree grew. The tree was given shelter to Jonah. Yes, and the Bible said that Jonah was very happy because of how intense the heat was. And out of the blue, a tree came to give him shelter. And this is a very interesting miracle. When we don't was the Bible talks about how the tree grew in one night and then also we dead in one day. It's very, very interesting. If you know a custard tree, you know that um, this is it's not a small tree that can grow within 24 hours and then just with yes. But God was trying to teach Jonah a very simple lesson and of that even the miracle by allowing the tree to grow in 24 hours the bible said after he had allowed the tree to grow he allowed a worm to come and then eat up the tree so we know that um, one of the predators of most vegetations are worms sometimes too it can be a locust yes uh, when you read the book of Joel, the bible talks about a similar incident about how God is going to restore the years that have been eaten by the caterpillars, the locusts, the palmer worm, and the So these animals are very known for how they can be devastating to agriculture. Yeah. So God allowed a tree to grow in 24 hours, and then He allowed a worm to eat up the tree. And after the tree withered away, the Bible said that the sun beat upon the head of Jonah and made him even faint and you can imagine the intensity of the sun that was shining on that day to the extent that uh, i haven't experienced such a thing before but i know this is something that happens especially for now current modern world um, those of us who live um, in the middle east the arabian countries here most of them they record very high temperatures on certain seasons of the year yeah the bible says that um, the sun beat on the head of jonah to the extent that he even fainted and it was it looked like jonah had, was fed up with everything that was happening so he just said a prayer that god should just let him die it was his better off dead and even at that point, Jonah was still even angry. He was angry at God. He was angry at why God had not destroyed the people. And now he was even angry about the tree that had come to give him a short joy or relief over 24 hours. Yes. And the lesson that God was trying to teach him was found in the verse 10. The Bible says that, um, oh, let me read from the message by this. God said, what is this now? Or what is this? How is it that you can change your feelings from pleasure to anger overnight about a mere shade tree that you did nothing to get? So God was trying to teach him that even you, Jonah, as human as you are, you were able to change your emotions or your feelings about a plant from feelings of pleasure to feelings of anger over just 24 hours over a tree that's one you did not owe to you never planted, you never watered it. The tree came out of nowhere. You had no idea what the tree, the tree came out of, but you enjoyed the shade. And after that, we did away. You had the audacity uh, and even the cats to be angry at the tree. Something that you had no idea of its origin. So God was trying to tell him 
that if you can change your emotions and then your feelings over a mere tree that you never created or you never planted or watered, how much more do you expect me, God, to change my feelings over? Not just anything, but over human beings. And God was, God was trying to, uh, in a way, reiterate the value of human lives. Because um, we've been able to understand in one of our series that we learned is Poema, that we are the workmanship of God. And as humans, we are the pinnacle, we stand at the zenith of God's creation. So if Jonah is able to have the audacity to be angry at something that he had no original, how much more does he expect God to also even change his feelings over human beings being his workmanship, being his most prized creation, being his the best of his artistry and like human beings are best of the best of God's creation. And God is not willing to lose human beings just for anything. Um, last week we learned from our study that um, before God wanted to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, um, he had to send angels to go out and see if what was actually happening was true. And we find a very similar incident also in Jonah. But in this case, God had sent Jonah to warn them. Yeah, so God um, doesn't really, or it is not the will of God that men should perish. I think in the book of um, First Peter, Peter talked about a very similar issue. That it is not the will of God that men should perish, but it is well that we are all saved or we come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God was trying to tell John that he had no business being angry with the decision that he had taken, not to destroy the devil. Because Jonah is not the one who created them. He has no idea about the systems of God's judgment and he can't use his feeble and then limited mind to understand the dealings and then the ways of God. And this is even similar to how God was or how God responded to Job in the book of um, Job chapter 38. After Job had been fed up and then he had asked God so many questions. When God appeared on time, God did not actually answer his questions, but he just asked Job a series and a whole lot of questions. So let's quickly go to Job and just look at um, the conversation that ensued between Job and then God. So Job chapter 38 verse 1, it says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is, is that darkness counsel by words without knowledge? Get up now and launch like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where was thou when I laid the foundation of the earth? Declare, if thou hast understanding, who had laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest, or who has stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fasting, or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together and all the sounds of joy shouted for joy, or who shut up the sea with doors and when it break forth, as if it had issued out of the womb. When I made the cloud, the garment thereof, and take darkness as widely band for it. So the questions keep on going on and on and on. 
when God came, He didn't answer even the single question that you asked. That God, why me? Why did my children die? Did you allow my wife to leave me? And yeah, God just came to ask Job a series of questions. And what really struck me was the first statement that God made: "That who is this that darkness counsel?" by words without knowledge and it's very interesting it's very practical and we see it in our daily lives day in and day out um, we see people who are willing to challenge the word of god they are willing to challenge the gospel and they are willing to challenge men of god like anything that has to do with the bible or god or jesus they are just willing to challenge it without having requisite knowledge even if you have the requisite knowledge you don't even have any that is standing or audacity to challenge God. But you will see people really challenging the gospel, they are willing to challenge the Bible, they are willing to challenge like, everything that has to do with the word of God because they think, um, or some of them, because of the uh, position or where they have got to in life, they think um, they've made it and then they know or they do not owe anything to anyone. So they can just do whatever they want. And, it's very interesting because when God made you, that was the first thing that he asked him that who is this that darkness counsel by words without knowledge? Yes. So sometimes even our knowledge that we hold as most prized, you will learn to some extent in life to get a whole lot of degrees and PhDs. But I realize that this knowledge is very insignificant. They are minute, they are very intangible when it comes to the knowledge of God. Yes. So God was just trying to teach Jonah a very simple lesson. And even with that, Jonah was still not getting the points that God was trying to raise. That this simple tree was able to, first of all, grow within 24 hours, which was a miracle. You didn't even acknowledge or appreciate it. You just enjoyed the shit. After the tree we did within 24 hours, it was also a miracle. We just suddenly became angry at the tree. And you were able to change your emotions from pleasure to anger over something that you do not owe. How much more do you expect God to change his emotions over his most prized creation, over his workmanship, over something that he holds most dear to his heart? So what I was just trying to teach um, Jonah that simple lesson. If the people are willing to repent, God is ever willing to forgive them. One the people are willing to repent and then obey God. And when you read the, I think the last but one verse, the message says, So why can't I likewise change what I feel about Nineveh from anger to pleasure? This big city of more than 120,000 childlike people who do not know right from wrong to say nothing of all the innocent animals. So God was willing to forgive the people of Nineveh, even change his anger over them. Because first of all, these are his most prized creation. He can't destroy them because um, they have sinned against him. Of course, they have sinned against God, but they were willing to change. And that, that was something that they did after they had fasted. The Bible said that they changed every man from his ways. So they had become rise before the face of God. They had obeyed them message that Jonah had sent to them. And so God had every right to forgive the people of Nineveh because they had obeyed the message that he had sent to them through Noah. And there was not just only a few people in the city, it was about 
120,000 God wasn't willing to destroy these people just because he was angry. That's quote-unquote, yes. So this shows us the kind of God that we serve, that before executive judgment, there, there are a lot of things that have been taken into consideration. So let's say for what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah, everything has been put in the right place and God had found Sodom and Gomorrah worthy of their punishment. That is why he rained down fire and then primes. But in the same way, Nineveh had also sent, after the message was proclaimed to them, they were able to repent of their sins and then God forgave them. God was willing to change his might over these people because they had repented of their sins and then turned to follow the ways of God. So this speaks volumes about the God that we serve. As Jonah himself was even proclaiming it, that he is a God of mercy, of sheer grace, he is not full, um, he is not um, easily angered or he is slow to anger, he is rich in love and a whole lot of attributes. So just trying to encourage and admonish us that irrespective of how far we have gone in our lives, how far we have gone into sin, God is ever willing and ever ready to save us. No matter what you have done, no matter what you are doing, no matter what you do, God is willing to forgive us of our sins. And the Apostle Paul makes it very clear in the book of Romans that if um, God did not spare his own or his dear, his only son for our lives, what is it in this life that God is not willing to give us? I would say that um, God even commended his love towards us that whilst we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus came to die for us. So it's not like God is happy for us, or God is happy to see us in sin or for us to wallow on our way to sin and even death. Our God has done everything possible to extend that saving unto us. He sent his dear son and his only son to come and die for us which is something very mysterious, but it had to be done. There was a price that had to be paid, and Jesus Christ, or God paid that price dearly with his son, Jesus Christ. So this evening, we just want to encourage and then admonish you that it doesn't matter how far you have gone in your sin or how bad you think you have turned into. Once you are willing to repent and then from your evil will, God ever willing to accept you into his fold because we are of his own creation. We are the children of God and by reason of the sins of Adam, we have been changed to become the children of the devil. So it has to take us believing in Jesus Christ back again so that we can come back to our Father who is in heaven. So just a little piece of advice for us this evening. Even as we climax the book of Jonah, that irrespective of where you've been or what you are doing or where you are going, God is willing to save you. He's ever ready. All you have to do is just open up your hearts and then come to him. Because he was willing to spare the whole city of Nineveh. And he said they, uh, they are like children. They do not know right from wrong. They don't know right from wrong. And the message is that even the innocent animals. So God is even about 
about the animal like god is particular about every detail of our lives is it guys book about it in the book of matthew that when you look at the air when you look at the birds they don't sow they don't reap they don't farm but they are always they are always fed by god and they don't do anything but you see them fly freely in the air always when you look at the roses of the field it is god who clothes them and even made a, a comparison between solomon and even the roses that the roses of the field are even more beautiful than solomon arrayed in his best garments yes yeah, so god is very particular about the thing that he created even the animals how much more his most or the workmanship of his creation isn't it of his creation yeah so don't ever think that you have gone too far into sin or you have gone beyond the saving grace of god once you are willing to accept jesus christ and accept or ask for forgiveness and repent of your ways god is willing to forgive you i don't know Blaine, will you have something to say as we end all right hello so um i think that this chapter sums everything up and it explains the very beginning um why jonah um failed to go as we said and even though it may look strange because the bible says that um he, uh, when you read chapter four as we hear it you can see that it wasn't that jonah was afraid or it wasn't that jonah feared he didn't go because he had purpose in his heart that he's not going and it was because he knew that god would save the people so when you look at it from our setting it looks quite strange that a preacher or a man of god would say that i'm not going to preach or even if he's preaching he doesn't want the people that he's preaching to to be saved when you look at it from this perspective, you will think that, oh, it's not common, or it looks so strange, or Jonah is too much of a sinner. How can he um, a preacher say that I'm going to preach, but I want God at the end of it all to punish this particular person or this particular people I'm preaching to? Uh-huh. But when we, as we are about to look at it, you realize that it's very common and prevalent in our days. So when we look at the people of Nineveh, we realize that um, when you search on them, it's, it's said that it's the capital of um, a town or people called the Assyrians. So and these Assyrians, they weren't friends of the Jews or the Israelites. They were actually enemies of the Israelites. So it's, okay, it's understandable to a sense that and he didn't want, or Jonah didn't want his enemies to be saved. So when you even bring it to our setting, we may have, let's say, enemies. Let's say, this is quite sensitive. Let's say someone who has hurt you or someone who has harmed you. It could be that a father abusing a daughter. It could be that a friend betraying you. It could be that, let's say, um, and even in our setting, let's say, a poly- our politicians, the way they are, spending in quotes as we are saying that they are mismanaging our finances you can see that these are people that most people do not really like so a lot of times we prefer to um, pray against our enemies or even if you are praying for them you are praying that god should kill them so it's just like that that we go to church and some people say that pray that god will your enemies will have done for god will make sure that your enemies are disgraced they are all parts or they are all, I mean, um, an aspect of what Jonah did. He would rather want to see his enemies perish rather than for God to show his enemies mercy. So every aspect of our lives, which um, 
um, or in um, situations in our lives which cause us to hate our enemies such that we do not want them to be saved. We rather watch God destroy them or rather want God to punish them. And it's one of the reasons why um, a lot of people would not want to pray for people or would not even want to preach to them. We can also liken it to even our friends. Let's say our circle of friends that we know that these people, they are sinners. These people will go for parties. They will go and in quotes. Uh, for the kids, sleep with the men, they'll go and do whatever. And as Christians, we see them and it's as though they are living a good life. Uh-huh. And one thing is that some of us or some Christians will consolate or, or console themselves with the, um, with the assurance that, oh, God has a better future for me. God has a better this for me. God has a better this for me. But this person or this my friend who seems to be enjoying life and is going for the parties, God is going to punish them. Like their future is not going no, will not go on wrong. God will punish them. Sometimes, even though we may not admit it, it is deeply entrenched in our hearts that we would love to see people who are in quote sinners or our friends who we see as not living in the Christian life to I mean, go through them. Sometimes because we think that, oh, these people, they are living the good life in quotes. We, we are struggling. We are trying our best to serve God. We are serving God with our, all our hearts. So if there's any blessings, like God should give it to us. And if there's any punishment, God should give it to them. So we rather want to see these friends of ours. Uh, we would rather want them to be punished or in a deep in, in the depths of our hearts we just want to see them at the end of the day suffer and now we we'll conclude that oh god was with us we know we're christians so god was with us you people you are sinners so you are suffering what you know um you would like you are having what you deserve and i think that's one of the reasons why we would rather not some priests it prevent some of us from preaching to our fellow friends who are i mean living in quote the best life that we would not live because of our christianity uh-huh. so we would rather want to see we would rather want god to punish them they will know that they were wrong and were right uh-huh. that they were wrong they were living and they weren't serving God in that we are the ones in the right. So rather, we would want God to justify our, in quotes, our Christianity by punishing them and blessing us. And we sometimes we also we forget, by so do we forget that God loves them as he does or as he loves us as well. So yes, so it's, it's just, it shows how a lot of times we want to see suffering or we just want to see the downfall of some sinners or we just want to see the downfall of others to justify our own selves or to satisfy our own sense of justice because we think that we are in the right so anyone who is not in the right should be punished by god or anyone who is not in the right standing with god or anyone who is not serving god as we are doing anyone who is not going to church as we are doing anyone who is not I mean, giving his time to God as we are doing should be punished. And I think that's what perhaps Jonah feels that, well, these people have sinned, these people have done um, whatever they are doing, they are living, they are so life, so they don't deserve the mercy of God. I think that was Jonah's problem. He thought that they don't deserve God's problem because he knew that as long as God has said or, um, or God has sent him to him, God will eventually. So he was angry with God. Are you God? You've seen these people sin. Uh, 
it's like um, a lot of us saying that these people they've seen uh, like they've enjoyed the best life we they we've lived on life and we've suffered uh, but we'll go to heaven together <laughs> if you can relate with that so a lot of us or even sometimes preachers some preachers just want to preach to people not because they want to see them redeemed but they just want to remind the sinner that you, you are a sinner and you are going to hell it's not because they, they want them to be redeemed but because they just want to remind them that oh you you are a sinner so that it can sort of justify or satisfy their sense of justice so that they will know or they will have assurance or a consolation that oh me I'm suffering but it's fine this one is enjoying but God will punish him later so it's um, I think that it's one thing that a lot of Christians may not talk about or we don't really want to talk about because it's something that well it doesn't speak well of us uh, as Christians but then it's It's a it's a huge issue or it's quite prevalent nowadays. So I think that um, this book just teaches us how, as Christians, we may have very very bad um, the state of our hearts may be very very evil. Uh-huh. But then it just it teaches us that um, the one that you are praying that oh God kill God kill or mechitren or astro mechitren or as I'm present this one astro abai and all that the one that you are praying for that God should destroy or the one that you are praying for his or her downfall he's the one that God is planning his redemption he's the one that God is planning looking for someone to go and preach to him so that he'll be redeemed because at the end of the day you were once lost and you were once in sin and God came to save you God came to deliver you so if there is some one day i mean who is um, in sin even as the bible tells of never that they were innocent they didn't know what they are doing that is the same way that the person you are planning that god should um, punish doesn't know what is so it's like god just telling us that the one that you say that i should punish i mean i cannot punish or I'm, i'm not going to punish because i mean i love him or i care for him even as much as you care for some things which are trivial god worked or god has been working for man he has done his best He's, he created us he has been taking care of us giving us but i mean I, i'm trying to say that god has really invested in man so the one that you are planning that god should kill the one that you are planning that god should make him lose his job the one that you are planning that oh god this person it will not it will never be well with he's the same person that god has invested so much and god is doing his best to and make sure this person is safe so i mean god wants us to know that those prayers are not reasonable in court or they are not for us to pray them and the extreme one or one thing and the other side that i would want us to also um, take note of is people who hate her i mean there are people who genuinely have hurt you there are people who genuinely didn't do well at all whether maybe it's your father or a relative abusing you whether it's a relative or your father i mean duping you a friend of yours duping you a friend of yours or someone just coming and no we are in very hard times they are as my friend was saying <laughs> they are wicked and unreasonable men people who just come into your house rob you destroy the things or steal things from you and rip you on top there i understand there are a lot of like, evil people like that 
us and some people can hurt you. So praying for them will be quite difficult and telling God that God should bless them can be quite difficult. So sometimes when you open your mouth, it's as though you are pronouncing judgment on them. Like maybe Jonah would want judgments and to come on Nineveh instead of mercy. Uh-huh. But God wants us to, I know, um, I'm praying that God will heal your heart and help you to come to an understanding that these people ask um, the last chapter, oh, sorry, the last verse said that they didn't know they are left from their rights. They lived or they hurt you as ignorant men. They may be, I mean, because you are hurt, you may have a lot of misgivings. And I, I think it's quite sensitive, but I want you to know that God loves them as he loves you. And if you would look into your life, there may be times that you also hurt God. There may be times that you also harm God. And God forgave you. And God has given you this life. So God would want you to extend this gift or this um, hand and shake of mercy towards such people who hurt you. So um, so I want to conclude that, yes, the, the book of Jonah just exposes the hearts of us and a lot of us Christians that deep down we want our enemies, deep down we want some people in our lives to suffer God's judgment instead of God's mercy. The book of um, Jonah reminds us that no matter what, God is still planning for the redemption of the one you are seriously praying that they should be punished because as um, the Bible says, they didn't know they left from their rights. Just as you were also at some point, you didn't know you were left from your rights. You also sinned against God. And because of that, God forgave you. So God is also telling you that come to him so that he will be able to cure that particular bitterness or jealousy or whatever you are feeling because your jealousy or your bitterness or your hard emotions are not going to, I mean, negate the fact that he loves such people, he cares for such people, and he's going to redeem such people. Amen. Amen. God bless you so much for that wonderful and elaborate submission, I just hope the prayer papers will not come and beat us because <laughs> you are trying to uh, prevent them. Yeah, you are trying to stop them from praying their yeah, fire prayers. And yeah, that's just. Yeah, but I think it's, it's very true what you are saying about uh, our attitude towards our enemies. And because as Christians, our duty, one way or the other, is to bring the lost souls to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And if we are willing to lambast them and shake them off with our way of life and our preaching and attitude and i don't think that will help us bring more shipping to the fold but if we are able to express love to them and i'm sure god is going to do a lot of things through our lives yes um i just want us to look at some few scriptures before we end about what Bennett talked about, we love our enemies. And this is one important, uh, one commandment that I find, I think is very difficult to follow as loving your enemy. It, it doesn't make sense in any way that as a person, there's no way you should be able to love your enemy. But that is the commandment that Jesus Christ gave us. When you read Matthew chapter, 5 verse 44 is this but I say unto you love your enemies bless them that curse you 
do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despisefully use you. Yes. And there are a lot in Luke and the other Gospels here. So the message is that simple. We should love our enemies. We should pray for them. We should do everything good for our enemies. And what I want us, what I want to leave us as the cool message for the book of Jonah is one thing or one thing that I see that was spanned through from the very first to the very last chapter was about the message of God. You see, from the very point that Jonah um, ran away from the presence of God to his presence on the ship, especially to him being in the belly of the wheel to um, the city of Nineveh, how God revoked his punishment on Nineveh and then accepted them and decided not to um, punish them. God was just trying to show him um, his mercies, but it looks like Jonah wasn't really getting the message. God was just trying to point to him that look at your life, look at everything, everything that you did from how you escaped from his presence, how you survived the belly of the how you survived from the turmoil of the ship and the shipwreck and the whole lot. But God spared you all this, or everything that you had been through. Living for the city of Nineveh, God also spared them. So God was just trying to show Jonah about his mercies, how vast and how huge they are, the expanse of his mercies. Like God is ever willing to change his decision a thousand and infinity times. Once we are always willing to come to his feet. That is the Bible said that we should come boldly to the throne of grace, regardless of whatever you've done. God is ever willing to change his decision, change his emotions about us once we are willing to come to him. So tonight our prayer is very simple. We just want to pray and thank God for his mercies. That Lord, I want to thank you for the mercy that you bestow unto us day in and day out. The Bible says that the mercies of God, they are new every morning, day in and day out. Look at how even the angels that um, sinned against God, the Bible said they did not keep their first estates. They were bound in everlasting chain. But as human beings, we sin against God day in and day out. We flout His rules. We do all sorts of manner of things. But God is always and ever willing to forgive us because of how vast His mercy is. We want to pray and thank God for His mercy. Bible said that the Lord is slow to anger, He is slow to chide. And His love for us has no end. We want to thank God for His love. We want to thank Him for His mercies. And we want to pray that the Lord will continually have mercy upon us, that we should never go beyond the mercies of God. That God will always keep us in check, you keep us instead with His mercies, that you have mercy upon us as human beings. We have limits, we have possibilities and impossibilities. I will pray that any time that we find ourselves flouting the rules of God, any time that we find ourselves in disobedience, any time we find ourselves in a broad way, we pray that the Lord will bring us back onto the right way by His mercies, that His mercies will continually save us, that He will make us hear His voice always, saying that this is the right way, working it, that the mercies of God will establish us, He will make our feet stand in the gates of the temples of our Lord. So Father, we thank you for such a wonderful time in your presence. We pray, we thank you for the lessons that you've called us to learn even throughout this series that we've studied. We ask 
Now, Lord, let your mercies shine upon us day in and day out. Let your mercies grow and let your mercies encamp around our life. Let us never leave your mercies. Let your mercies be so huge that we can never run away from the psalmist or the hymnist said that your mercies or your goodness are always running after us. Goodness and mercies are always following us in the days of our life in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for answered prayer. In Jesus' name, we prayed. So God bless us all for making it to the very end of our series and our work with the book of Jonah. And I believe you had a wonderful time in the presence of God. And we always want to encourage you to continue listening to our podcast on all podcast platforms, Spotify and all other platforms. We encourage you to share it with your friends, with your families, with your loved ones, that they will also benefit of podcast series that we've been doing. So as usual, we always want to remind you that remember to give God your best. Make sure that you owe no man nothing but love. God bless you and see you next week for another exciting series. Bye-bye. Four.